Hello and welcome to The Late Apex, episode 10, brought to you by Daniel Parker Motorsport Coaching. I'm Rich Gibson, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Jamie Harris of T3S Racing. And Aaron Hans is joining us this week, because Tom's busy sorting his shit out, getting ready for the Spring Cup at Oliver's Mount this weekend. Uh, how's it going, boys? We all good? Yeah. Good yeah, evening. Good, mate. Hi, mate. So, how's the uh, bike build going, Jamie? Getting there, getting there. It's just fucking throwing money at it all the time, isn't it? Yeah. Even I, f- I finished work just down there, and I was... I was down in the garage, um, just doing little bits and bobs on it before jumping on here. Just taking up all my time, isn't it? Standard, always the case, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but it'll be worth it. What about you, Aaron? Seeing you be you booked Donison, aren't you? For is it next month you're out there? Well, I booked it. I booked it in the afternoon, and ten minutes later, I cancelled it because um, Zoe messaged me from RST and said they do the national the day after. So I booked the national, and it sold out. So. Yeah, that's all gone to pot, to be honest. So I'm going to try and jump on it if anyone cancels it. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was that was my Donington experience track day. Get on, get on the third of May, mate. Are you there? Third of May with MSV. Are you going to book the advanced group this time, though? I'm in the advanced group. Are you okay? okay. Novice, novice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my shoulder hurt. My arm hurts. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't ride. Uh, it, it's it's called being not a bell end and testing your limits before you actually need to test your limits. Is it a noisy day or is it like a ninety-eight? Ninety-eight, I think. Ooh. Okay, I've there... put some socks some socks down the exhaust or something. They're a rarity out there, Noisy Days. Noisy Days was the one I booked, I think, the 25th of, yeah, whatever month it was, Look. April. Uh, yeah, it was a noisy day. Yeah. So when you when you book it, Aaron, mm-hmm. you're still going to end up at Anglesey or Alton Park. <laughs> <aren't you? laughs> it'll be Alton Park. 100% it'll be Alton Park. Yeah, I, I need to, like, well, yeah, I, need, I do need to, like, branch out a bit, don't I? It's just too far. I don't like driving more than an hour. I, I'm at Cadwell next Monday, and I really can't be asked with the drive. Uh, it's, it's weird. The drive's bad, and then it's getting there, and it's the crappiest circuit in the in the UK. I'm going to put a can of worms there. That's definitely that's fact. Right. Well, I've got to go. I've got to go there Wednesday night. Stay there in the back of a van and almost Oof. die to get up and do a track day. To then hand me bike over to. Uh, David Croft to do some suspension bits on it for me, and then to Dave Gregory to use it for his ACU license testing. That is. Um, yeah, and then I'm coming home to go to work on the Friday to then pick up a van from my office Friday afternoon to load it up, to then go back to Cadwell Friday night, to stay in a hotel to, to race <laughs> on the Saturday. Have you, have you, got, you think you've got it bad? Have you, have you, have you, got, have you got a shell card? <laughs> Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> racks, racks, racks and miles off. Like, Anglesey, um, a couple of weeks ago for the Wirral uh, first round, um, some lad's bike didn't work in our garage. He was on a Triumph, like a Gen One, and he was stressing and struggling. I was like, right, mate, go and take my bike and go and do your ACU test on it. Um, I couldn't watch. Couldn't watch. It was horrible. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if I could. If I know, I would. I'd, I'd let somebody on my bike. Old old rules and it, you bend it, you mend it. Yeah, true. <laughs> you so. bend it, you're paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> right, bend it, you buy it. Yeah, you, you, so. you bend it. I've got a new bike. <laughs> so, 
you're talk, talking about the miles you're going to be clocking up driving backwards and forwards to Cadwell. Um, I think we ought to bring this week's guest in because uh, he's really racking up the miles this year. Um, delighted to uh, welcome uh, No Limits Track Day resident photographer and new MotoGP media pass holder, Jill Cooper, onto this week's episode. Uh, Jill, I've got f- first question for you, mate. As you were there trackside, it'd be really wrong of us not to ask what your thoughts are on the Marquez incident. Well, first off, pleasure to be invited onto the show. Uh, great podcast. And in terms of the Marquez incident, I actually didn't see it. I'll be honest, from where I was stood, there was no screen in front of me. Um, I just heard the crowd go mental. Um, so I had a I had a feeling that something happened with Oliveira. Um, but obviously I was that focused on the race. I was just sort of focused on like getting the photos and making sure I got the clients that we needed to get. They went off their tits, didn't they? Yeah, they they went mental. And it actually took me about three or four laps to realise that Marquez wasn't actually in the race anymore. I sort of, I was getting everyone else and I was like, hang on, where's Marquez gone? And it was only when I actually got back to the media centre um, after the race that I see the, the incident. And I was like, Oof. well, at the end of the day, for me, when you're on the limit, as much as these guys are, like like was mentioned, I think it was last week or the week before, yeah. um, when they've got split seconds to make the decision, it's, you're going to make a mistake every now and then. Yeah. And I think any other rider would be put down for a racing incident. And I'm I'm I love me as I'm a Rossi fan through and through, but I would say it was his first race back, start of the new season, and it was his reputation that gave him the penalty. Because yeah. if you look at the sprint race of Marini, when he wiped out Bastianini, there's got to be consistency. Hundred percent. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> so tell us about your background then, because you you haven't just fucking landed in the MotoGP paddock, has it? It's been a lot of hard graft. Yeah, it's uh, been plenty of long days, lots of lots of miles under my belt. Uh, it started about 13, 14 years ago, uh, as, a, as a kid as it was, when I used to borrow my granddad's camera at a track called Darley, Darley Moor. Yeah. Um, every October, they run a stars meeting there, um, and we religiously go there, uh, me and my dad and my granddad. Um, and then I just started borrowing his camera, and then got my own camera. Spoke to the Darley Moor photographer, uh, Tony Else. And top top look, Tony. Yeah, a lot of lot of time, a lot of respect for him. Um, and then sort of it rolled on from there. Did it in college, uh, carried it through into uni, um, where I sort of found found my seat, found my feet in the industry. Um, between the the no limits racing, the track days, um, and obviously what I was doing at the uni as well was all sort of it was all sort of coming together. Um, and then. I think it was, I was first brought into the No Limits paddock by Motorcycle Sport Media in 2019, started the 2019 season. And then at the first round, which I was Donington, I remember rocking up for the weekend. I was staying in like a beach tent. So I, was, I didn't know what to expect. So I had the only tent we had available at the time, and that was a beach tent. Remember me and him were fighting the elements, put, pitching up our tents, only for a groundskeeper to come over after watching us uh, for over an hour. Tells we can't camp where we've set up, so I had to demolish it all, <laughs> take it all to Redgate, and then we got to the Redgate Marshall's camping site, only to find out we could have stayed where we were. And at this point, it started to go dark. It was cold. The rain started to come in, so we just looked at each other like, "What's going on?" Um. So anyway, that weekend was a huge learning curve. Um, 
because it's the first time I sort of I was shooting with a purpose. Yeah. Um, and Alex James, who was around at the time, actually came up to me at the weekend and offered me a couple of track days to work with him uh, for a bit of experience. Um, so they went off with Alex for half the season. Uh, but then things, one for one reason or another, didn't quite work out. Huh. I then uh, went my own way again. Um, he went his. Um, let's yeah, he... let, let's back it up a bit, Jill, because I think you were about to jump straight into Motor, MotoGP paddock in space of like three minutes flat. Um, you missed the bit where he really makes it in, in, in his career and starts to photograph me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is still 2019. This it's... is still the 2019 season. Is, 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 is photography and motorsport photography in particular something that you've always wanted to get into? Was it like a child ambition? I mean, as a kid, I always wanted to race. Uh, I'll be honest, I remember what my first ever memory is watching Rossi on TV. Mm. That's my first memory. And it's like I always wanted to, to race motorbikes when I grew up. But it was only as I started growing up, I realised that I didn't have the funds for that. So I chose photography instead. Fair Which um, also I don't have the funds for. Um, because we've got like lenses which are thirteen thousand, fourteen thousand pounds at times. You fucking what? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't have them lenses, um, but there are. I think the most expensive lens I've seen was twenty one and a half thousand pounds. What's your what's your what's your go to lens cost you? Uh, my my main sports lens is uh, around the two thousand mark. And if you took a photo with your 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 lens that you use. And then went and bought one of these really expensive lenses. Would people notice the difference in them? I think yes and no. I, think, I mean, you probably would looking through your camera, but yeah, I, I think I, I, for the average person, yeah, I think for the average person, you just look at that photo and you think, "Wow, that's a shit hot photo." But then, if I were to use like a twenty grand lens, I would be able to see the difference between my current lens. And say that lens, I know like the background could be more blurred, or right, the yeah, subject yeah. to be a bit, a little bit more sharp. Um, but a lot of it does come down to the user and how you set the camera up and how you you, know, sort of, you push your ability and the camera's ability to maximise its potential. I suppose it's I suppose it's the same with anything though, isn't it? Like you could take you could you could take a ten grand motorbike, put it next to a ninety grand Panigale Superleggera or whatever. Take Joe blogs off the street, get them to ride both, and they go, yeah, they're both nice bikes. They won't be able to take them to the absolute limits. Yeah, to be mm. to be able to go, the Superleggera is fucking awesome. You know, yeah, it's... yeah. You've sort of got to you've got to have an understanding of the kit that you'll be using. I mean, for me, I still learn every day. I don't think where I'm now is where I'll stay because I always want to become a better person and a better photographer. So for me, every day is a school day, effectively. It is a dark art, though, isn't it? Oh yeah, massively. Like there's. I've got it like the back of my hand now. I'll know sort of what settings are better for certain situations. So I'll be able just to tweak them with my eyes shut pretty much. So while I'm running from spot to spot, I'm already thinking what camera settings am I going to be needing? And I know exactly the camera in and out. So I'll be tweaking the camera settings while I'm running. I'm I'm literally just at, yeah, sport mode, fucking point and shoot. That does me. I just get, I just unlock my phone. (laughs) <laughs> oh God, here we go here we go press that little button there but I, I don't I've know actually, what else I've to do I have actually seen you running from post to post on a on a track day yeah and you, you do just like literally all day do not stop and I with, with that first round at Donington I remember seeing you there in that tent 
Yeah, that little green tent. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember looking at you thinking, "You poor bugger." The best just... part was what I didn't realize until the end of the weekend was the the front door didn't actually shut. <laughs> so I'm zipping it up at night, thinking it's shutting. It's like two degrees outside, <laughs> and the bloody the door isn't shutting at all. Is that where you were right by the petrol station? On yeah, that little yeah, bit? yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I remember coming out of that restaurant. Well, I had like a few beers that night and all that. I saw you in your tent there. And then Bob Collins came and did a few donuts in his uh, in his Merc. Yeah, that's the one. His, uh, that was the night, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, that was that was the day as well. You talked you you came over to me and you went, It's golden hour. And I was like, What are you on about? And you go, Give me a helmet. And that's when you took the pit lanes. Oh pictures, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember? Yeah, yeah, I do actually. That was um, in the pit lane with the, the sunset just above wow, the mate. Still got them pictures. Do like yeah. them. That was that was actually that was the August round that was that was okay. the, the march round that was the august round yeah yeah um so yeah that then during the 2019 season like i said i was working with alex on and off um and then he went incognito in the the end of september and then pete warman contacted me um in the about the start of the october was like Look, alex has got some track days available but he's not going to be doing them do i want to shoot for him which i was like well i've got a golden opportunity here to get my foot into the door so like yeah yeah um i think it was two cadwells and two mallories i think it was off the top of my head um and it, i think it was actually the final uk track day of 2019 the 31st of october at cadwell park i shot mm. uh, as well which naturally comes with a bit of pressure you want to end the year on a high yeah um so i did that gave him all the photos he was chuffed with the photos and then in the winter, he sort of said, look, Alex isn't going to come back. Do I want to fill in his shoes? So obviously, Alex was and still is a big name in the paddock for photos. Um, so they were big shoes to fill. Yeah. But I was like, I've got an opportunity that I've worked, that I've wanted for, well, at that point, it had been eight or nine years. Um, yeah. So I was like, yeah, um, give it a go. And then it was the start of 2020 uh, when obviously COVID, well, COVID-19 was the thing then. Um, so we went into the first lockdown in the May. So I just set up or started to go for myself and then straight into lockdown. Um, and the only good thing to come out of lockdown for me really was having the website. I managed to sort the website out during lockdown. Um, so I built, I got the guy to build all that, set that all up for me. So when I came out of lockdown and start, the track day started back up again, I was I had the infrastructure in place, so to speak. I had the the ability to upload all the photos from the track days so everyone could go on to the site, view the photos and buy and download from there. Because I, I thought at the start when you when you first started going into <clears throat> into like track days, because I kind of obviously thought that you were kind of going into a deep end because you had Alex James, Pete Wildman, you know, other people there. But it sounds like when you came in, you had an amazing opportunity and you came in right right at the right time. Uh, yeah, so when Roger brought me into the paddock at the start of the, the 2019 season, it is sort of is an opportunity, but it was down to me to sort of grasp it yeah, um, yeah. and make it my own, which obviously I did. I put the hours in, I did the graft, I did the travel. Um, I had the sub-zero in the tents, and that that still that philosophy still went through all the way, even last year. I was doing it at last year. It, the round round two, Jamie. Round round two. Round I woke two. up, almost died in the night time. We had a we had a van with no heating in, <laughs> and uh, it was it, it was like minus 
debris in, in the night or something. And I had this little blow up little mattress thing that I bought. And it was a kid's one I bought by accident. So the cold was coming through that. And the, 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 the sleeping bag I had, I just bought a sleeping bag and I thought sleeping bags are sleeping bag, surely. Yeah, it yeah. turns out they're, they're not. I bought like a summer one. <laughs> so I almost died in the night in this van. I opened the van door in the morning, like absolutely freezing. And he climbs out of a tent. <laughs> I thought I had it bad. And he gets up and I'm like, fucking hell. Are you sleeping there? And he went, yeah. I went on the floor. He said, yeah. And he hit it in. He went, no. I was like, Fuck that. I almost I died and he's in a tent. <laughs> to, to, to be fair, you were probably colder in the back of the van. I don't know, the tent was pretty cold, I'll be honest. Oh no, 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 it will have been, but when you sat in when you sat inside a metal can in sub-zero temperatures, it, it amplifies the Yeah. Like, in summer it amplifies the heat and in winter it amplifies the cold. Uh I think I'd rather be in a tent in winter than a the back of a, a fucking panel van that's not lined. He got up, he got out, and I think he was wearing shorts. I think he'd slept in shorts. <laughs> I was yeah, in like two pairs it. of jogging, two pairs ha- of Have you bottoms. seen his legs? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was wearing two pairs of jogging bottoms. <laughs> like some out of the out, shire. And I went, <laughs> and, I went <laughs> yeah. and I went over to the, 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 the men's toilet at Snetterton just to hide it under the fucking hand dryer and keep it warm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, but that, it was, yeah, was... it was, yeah. Second round of Snetterton last year, yeah, it was. I think that might have been one of the coldest nights that we had. Although round two in 2019 at Cadwell, that was bitter. I think we had some snow at that round. That I've, was cold. I've, I've seen reference to that round this week on, on Facebook and people saying how, how cold it was. Yeah, yeah that, that was bitter. We had, like, wind chills. I think there was horizontal rain at one point. I remember one of the races, you had, like, three riders going around track because it rained just before they all went out and only three had like wet because it was that cold and the others had slicks in so they just decided not to go out hmm. um but yeah so that was 2019 and 2020 started off with lockdown um and then came out lockdown and just did the the racing and the track days uh the same again in 2021 which was last year um all while sort of balancing uni um but last year as well i added some behind the scenes behind the scenes race round vlogs done on a little GoPro for the first four rounds um, to sort of help give my perspective of a race weekend. Yeah. Same as how you guys vlog your race weekend. I was like, well, it'd be quite cool. I reckon it'd be quite a cool idea to do a photographer's behind the scenes. Um, but as the season went on, the track days got more and the, the racing got more. I just couldn't keep up with everything. So rather mm-hmm. than lose quality of photos across track days or race rounds, I was like, I'll just put the, the vlogs on to the side for now. And then if I could bring them back, I would. Um, but obviously, as the year went on, uh, it just didn't didn't happen. But I still did four, four vlogs over the season, um, which, if you've not checked out, I'm going to do a shameless plug. Go check no, them do out. It. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> they're, all, they're all on the YouTube. Um, but yeah. And then, no, that was uh, 2022. I did the vlog. Sorry. Yeah, it was 2021. I just... Went and did the track days and the racing. That's probably because it's twenty twenty three now, Jill. Yeah, I, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> it's been a long, it's been a long few days. <laughs> yeah. Um, so twenty twenty two was when I did the vlogs, um, and that was the same year as I did my final year of uni. So I was doing the race round, the track days, the vlogs, 
and graduating uni all at the same time, which was pretty intense. That's, the the that's a serious amount of plate spinning. Yes, it, it was. And I, I don't, I'm not a bragging person, but I do brag about this. And the whole 18 year history of the photography course that I did do um, at uni, it's now ended. I was the only person who got a first who specialised in motorsport photography. So there may have been other people play, across, yeah. across the 18 years that did motorsport photography, but I was the only one that got the first in it, which for me, that's something I'll always be proud of. Nah, well done. It's, yeah, that's class. So, Thank you very much. Jamie needs a wee. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was just gonna sneak off and uh, and, have, and have a wee. But yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm back in a minute. It's all right. Um, carry carry on. Don't talk to me because you'll put me off. <laughs> <laughs> um. So with the uh, with the uni degree, because it was a motorsport, I take it that. There was no requirement to do any other type of photography. Uh, yeah, so the course I was on, it was commercial photography. So it was any genre you wanted to specialise in, you could really do. So you had landscape photographers, you had portrait photographers, um, wedding photographers, and I was the only one that, that sort of did motorsport. Um, so it was a really open course, but it was tailored to sort of fit as much genre as possible. Unfortunately, motorsport wasn't one of them. Um, and obviously on the internet, when you're trying to do all the research needed with motorsport photography, there's not that much information available. Yeah. So if you don't do it yourself or you don't learn it yourself, you, you're going to struggle. But obviously trying to reference stuff that you've done makes it 10 times harder, which is sort of why I did the vlogs. It is sort it of motorsport, exercise. Motorsport is very much a, a who-you-know industry, isn't it? Sort of, yeah. It's, there's a lot of stuff which is kept hush-hush um, along the likes of how to get applications or camera settings and certain, certain where's best around the tracks for the shots, which obviously is stuff that I've learned o- over the years. Um, you, so make it, you make it sound like the fucking magic circle. It, it is. It's, <laughs> it's very hush-hush. There's a lot. Of, you can't, For me, I've been done in the past where I've trusted other photographers and they've either taken clients off me or or sort of stabbed me in the back with it. So for me, I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. Um, which is why I understand now why a lot of people don't really put that much stuff out there about A, how to get into it, or B, sort of the settings to use around certain areas. So for me, it's sort of doing my research and we sort of, I was looking at photos taken around, say, Alton Park. I was looking at, other photographers photos around there and pinpointing it on a map saying well if this is what they can get and this is what i've got this is it's very similar is that the um, one in cheshire i think uh, a dodgy guy called aaron goes there quite a lot <laughs> hey as long as there quite a lot he fucking lives there <laughs> as long as you're anywhere near druids that's all that matters <laughs> well there is that <laughs> I got that photo of um, you doing that massive wheelie, didn't I? That that little uh, one millimetre wheelie. Literally every single Wednesday, your photos are there. Yeah. It just just winds people up. Yeah. Done it again this morning, didn't you? And I, Don't, I, today, I, today, I, today, I did you zoom? Did you, yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> why it's not a wheelie. Oh, okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, every now and then he'll come across Drew's and he'll actually do a proper wheelie. Now I know he shits himself in there. <laughs> I did. There's, 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 there's one, the one the other week. 
mate, I am rolling off. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> wrist <I'm>, like <laughs> panicking that behind that visor, I tell you. I can see the eyes wide open. Oh mate, it was horrible. You, you are always in like the prime position where people crash, aren't you? I sort of again you're like, you're like, you're like a magnet. Learned. Yeah. Well, I was 2021, I was definitely course a crash magnet. Like <laughs> it's very rare that I'd go to a track day and not get a crash happen in front of me. Uh, but you this got year, my dad's, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> but he decided to go building some sandcastles. <laughs> <laughs> that was Drew's as well, wasn't it? It was, yeah. That's the one. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, de- you're definitely a little bit of a Jonah for, for crashing. I sort of, I know the places which are sort of crash hotspots because again, it's something that you just <laughs> learn over the years and the experience of going to the tracks. Um, so when it's wet, I'm thinking, right, where's more likely to someone to crash? Because <laughs> everyone always says if they're going to crash, they want photos of it or they'd what like was, to see what, yeah. what what happens. What was I'd the year we were at it. World Supers? What year was that? That was, was it 2020? I think it was. No, it might have been 2019. Was it 19? It we, might were, have been we, 19. we were we were at Donington, the, the weren't the we? The Yamaha Cup, on it. They, whoever the kiddies were on those little bikes, like 300 Yamahas. You you, you, you literally stood down Craners in one position, and I stood next to you, and I was like, uh, "Yep, this one." And yeah. next minute, bang! You could tell who was gonna 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 like fall like, off. Like you must have got so many pictures that I day. I think there was like. I can't remember if it was either 12 or 14 of them that I caught. <laughs> yeah. But pretty much everyone who came down, I just thought like, you could tell when they were going to go and you just... Right. Instantly. But Instantly. every single bike just slid down craners. I've never seen it. Not they, they, they just, You could just literally pick them up, couldn't you? Just get yeah. the mud off them and that was it. But I was stood with your dad and your dad was like, he's a twat, and he? I was like, yeah, he is, yeah. You're yeah. literally there as a magnet. And all these kids were like flying off in front of you. I was like, oh, there he is. Fair dues <laughs> to him. <laughs> What it is, is you look up, you see Joe, you smile, and you forget you're on a bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. That's what it is. <laughs> go, go, going back to when you were about, you know, about bikes, I've seen Joel on a bike before. And it, was, it wasn't it was a static one, it was a wheeling machine at Donald. <laughs> Mate, he is lethal on it. Yeah, I didn't think of anything about traction control or throttle control. It was either zero or a it, thousand. It, <laughs> that's exactly it. He was telling you to calm down, pulling the rope down. It's like, no, a little bit of throttle, a little bit. <laughs> I, was, I was going for the 12 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good weekend, that. I enjoyed that day. It was, it was a quality day, to be fair. Um, but yeah, to be fair, going back on the crash shots, a lot of photographers don't uh, will get the first bit and then move. Um, and I'll always remember the one at Croft with that red and white bag, which was flipping at turn one at the race start. Mm. Um, I, for that one in particular, I just sort of, I stood my ground. I just kept the the thing on the shutter as the bike was literally going through the gravel, skidding over the gravel and started to flip. It was only when the, the gravel started to hit me, I was like, yeah, time to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll move now. <laughs> it was yeah. and, and there was another guy who stood next to me who, as soon as the front tucked on that red and white bike, he got one shot and ran. Whereas for me, I just held held my my ground, and I, that oh, photo cool. actually went around Facebook quite a bit. Yeah, that that photo was fucking mm. epic. It, so, can you send me that picture? Can we put can we put it on the on the on our socials? Because yeah, 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 for yeah. people listening to this, they won't fully appreciate just how good an image that is. Yeah, I can, they've I'll, got to um, see it. I can dig it out. I I remember the track, um, but yeah, that for me was probably one of my best uh, crash photos. Obviously, I don't want, I don't encourage people to crash, but if you are going to crash, 
At least do it in front of the photographer. <laughs> that's that's all. That's all that matters. Get the isn't it? Of it. Yeah, so, get the soon, of it. soon as someone's crashed, they're like, "Oh, look up. Who's there?" Yeah. No. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, Joel will be stood there smiling with his thumb up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got it, mate. <laughs> Sound. Whenever, whenever I've had an off, the first the first thing I've done is got in touch with the photographer and tried to get the pictures. <laughs> That's what you want. Yeah, there, there, there have been a fair few messages that come through saying, um, did you get my crash then? Surprisingly, most of the time I say, well, I wasn't at that corner at that time. Um, more often or not. So I'm not a 100% crash magnet. Uh, but if something happens in front of me, the chances are I will catch it. My, yeah. my keep to delete ratio is pretty good. So I, I just like having the, se- the, the full sequence of images. Because for me, it helps piece together what the fuck went wrong. Yeah, yeah. And like when riders do message me about if I did catch the crash, and if I did catch it, I'll say, look, this is, from where I was stood, I've got all the, the photos. This is what it looks like, what happened. And again, nine out of ten times, I'm pretty spot on with what did happen. Yeah. I had one at Mallory on... Been, had all Friday, Mallory Saturday. So it been Monday. Yeah, Monday at Mallory. We had um, someone come out of Edwina's. And it was quite a, a damp track at that point. And the, the bike just came around on him. Um, and he messaged me saying, look, this is my bike. Did you catch any shots? I said, yeah, got your shots. Um, I said, out of interest, is this what happened? And he said, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, so obviously for me, if I catch the crash, it's always good for the riders to sort of get my perspective of what I saw so they know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially if it's like a, a weird one where it just comes round on you. Yeah. The, uh, I think. Um... It'll have been the same track day at Mallory. Uh, a mate of mine, Darren Wood, he he shit carted his. He low sided going into Edwina's. Shit carted. <laughs> <laughs> I've, never heard, heard, you never, I've heard never heard that before. Oh, yeah, so that's the first. <laughs> shit carted. You never heard that before. Shit carted. No. no. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'll forever. <laughs> that one's going to the dictionary, yeah. I know, like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, he's probably been in touch asking for photos as well. Um, so with all the different types of photography then that you had to do for a uh, university course, um, any of them involve like porn or all like that? Uh, <laughs> just for Jamie's benefit. Well, no, it's it, really in the podcast, isn't well, it? No, it just it might render Jamie's question. Um, you know what I mean? If Jamie goes, "Oh, what's what's your favorite type of porn?" Favorite type of porn? I fucking shoot it. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> I like, oh, could, oh, all right. I suppose you could put some fashion into that industry. Um, Don't say that. My daughter, my daughter's studying fashion. But <laughs> <laughs> well, certain fashion, uh, certain level of fashion will obviously go into that that branch. Yeah, she's going to make uh, dungarees. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I didn't shoot anything porn related in uh, university. This is where there was other times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have been asked to do um, an early fan shoot before. I will be honest, I have been asked to do that. He didn't reply as well, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to drop your name in it, mate. I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, no, I had that, but the the request didn't fit what my skill set is. They wanted me to do like all this filming and stuff. And I was like, I'm can just take photos. Um, I can put it was you. A in guy, wasn't it? It was a guy, definitely a guy. Because if it was a girl, you wouldn't have fucking said no. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the baguette, was it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet it was the baguette. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, le baguette. <laughs> have, you, have you seen the? I know, I know I'm like going off on a tangent. Have you seen the picture that was taken I'm, of him I'm and not. Finn? No, no. So uh, there was there's a picture taken at the weekend because obviously Finn had his first win, and uh, Tom's got his arm round Finn and fuck my life. Tom I don't, was pleased. I don't know what I don't know what he's <laughs> I don't know what he's got in his pocket, but there's a lot in there, and he's wearing skin tight jeans. It's like for fuck's sake, with everything that yeah. all the banter with like Jamie doing the baguette thing. Right. Well, you say what either one the uh, the screenshots gone around of with the shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, he's got someone's made him some stickers of some of little baguettes. Yeah. Have you no. Seen? Yeah. 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 He's got stickers <laughs> on his tank of his bike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh. So I'm going to mention something a bit later on towards the end of the podcast uh, to do with Le Baguette, uh, but we'll come on to that later on. Stay tuned. Yeah. So um, mentors then. You mentioned Tony Else, lovely chap. Um, I, I got to know Tony quite quite well when I was racing up at Darley. Um, obviously... It, he helped you out those early days when you were at Daly Moore. Um, Colin Port as well. Of all the the people that uh, are in that race community, who would you consider to be your mentors in photography then? That's a good question because as I've been going, growing up, there's been a lot of different people who've helped me in a lot of different aspects. Um, but for me, I'd say there's a guy called Rob Gray who runs the Speed of Light Academy. And for any upcoming photographers who are interested in motorsport photography, he set up an academy, which is something that I would have loved to have been a part of as I was sort of going going through the ranks, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> he's a dedicated program for for motorsport photographers or aspiring motorsport photographers. Um, it gives you like Lightroom editing tips and tricks, gives you camera settings. So basically, all the usual hush hush stuff is in that. Speed of Light Academy. Um, right. So for me, I'd have to put Rob Gray as probably my biggest inspiration. Fair dues. So is is all that done? So for somebody listening to this, I don't know if they, they might be in the arse end of the country, <coughs> interested in doing motorsport photography. Would that be, uh, like Speed Academy, would that be uh, online or is it somewhere? Yeah, where yeah. Not- so Speed of Light Academy is an online program which you sign up, uh, sign up for and you, you sort of... I think there's different elements to it, like different sections. So it's very tailored. It's heavily tailored to motorsport. Um, so, for example, if you wanted to learn about panning shots, I'd imagine that there's a panning section because um, obviously that requires mm. a slower shot speed. Um, if you want to do pit lane stuff, I'd imagine there'd be a section for that. Um, and then editing, learning how to develop your own presets. Again, I'd imagine there's a section for that. Um, but for me... Rob Gray has done so much for the photography community. He, for, for me, is the sort of my biggest inspiration, and I know he's an inspiration for a lot of other people as well. Oh, is that is it something that you want to do in the future, then bring somebody under your wing? And I mean, in a way, I already have. Um, I, on some of my track days, I have less select media working with me. Um, right. I'm in a position now where I'm able to, to have someone. So say when I do go off to MotoGP, uh, one of the rounds and there is a track day in the UK that I can't cover obviously I'd have someone who I trust to get good photos there to, to sort of still shoot under my name so that the photos are still delivered to you guys right um, so in a way I've sort of made that first step 
Um, but obviously, where the future goes it is anyone's guess. But I would like to have my own sort of agency in a way um, one day. That would be quite a cool thing to have, I reckon. Um, right. Obviously, that's a long, long way down the, the road uh, to even uh, start thinking about yet. How would that work then? Um, so for me, I sort of, I'd want it so... I'd still do my motorsport photography, but then I'd have someone who specialises in, say, wedding photography, for example. I'd have someone who is, say, one of the riders in the track day paddock. We're asking for a wedding photographer who I've had a few before. Whereas for me, weddings aren't my, my strongest subject or my forte. I could be like, well, I physically can't do that, but someone who I work with could. Right. Um, and I can send them into their direction or send them their portfolio, for example. Somebody else taking pictures of Jamie's feet. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> Jamie's uh, cheesy feet. Not, not exactly cheesy. A bit cold. That's about it. Have you had Have you had any nibbles yet on Nonly fans? No, I, I I set it up, but I've done absolutely nothing with it. Fucking only... <laughs> lost your bottle, haven't you? No, I just don't know what to do. It's you get you go on there, and it's it's not easy to work out what you got to do or anything. You got to advertise it like shit. Um, and then you got to then get people to subscribe to it. I have no idea how to do that. So if you're listening to this and you have an OnlyFans account and you you dabble, please get in touch. Um, I'm running out of money. Please help. Please help. <laughs> please help. Yeah. Please help. For six pound a month. So, what, are you, what are you looking at there? <laughs> did uh, Did you see the photos that Jamie was sending from Poland at the weekend? Mate, they brilliant. were horrendous. Fucking brilliant. It's like, Rich, Rich, I've uh, I found a cafe that's like for pets. It's full of rabbits. And he's taking this video. Look, look, look at this. Look at these little cute bunny rabbits. And there's all these like really young, nubile girls <laughs> bending over with half their ass crack showing. And he's like, look, the rabbit's just so cute. <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking absolute pest. Absolute. <laughs> that, was the, that was the word I was going to use, pest. <laughs> fucking brilliant, though. Uh, right, so um, so you've done the No Limits track days, done No Limits photography. Um, have, you, have you done any BSB photography as well? Uh, media side, no. Um, but as a kid, as a, like, as a kid, I used to go there the same with stars of Dali yeah. with me, with dad and granddad. Um, so I took my camera there just as a spectator, um, yeah. just for my own sort of personal use. Um, but as a pro, uh, as a pro, so to speak, yeah, uh, I've never been trackside at a BSB round. Um, I've have had offers. I'll be honest, I have had offers come through, but the offers that did come through weren't enough to sort of go through the process of the application right. um, and go through the stress of getting the application for BSB. So how, how, obviously you're not just doing it for shits and giggles. You're doing it to make money. How does it work? Do you, do you, you obviously own the photos that you take. Do you then sell them to media outlets or? Uh, the track day ones, uh, no. In fact, and then the racing ones, when club sport used to be a thing, um, I just used to send send them to Club Sport um, as sort of the, the verbal agreement that we did have. So they could sort my letter of application out and then they got the photos. Right. A lot of publications don't want to pay for the photos, um, especially when you've got 
members of public who are trying to get the media passes who would love to be used for free anyway. So how the so, fuck do you, how the fuck do you make money then? Uh, off my track day sales, to be honest. Um, I only I only earn what I sell. I don't get paid by no limits to go to the events. I sort of I have to have my own expenses to do the day, um, and then whatever I earn is off photo sales. So there's been a few round a few track days already this year where I've made quite a big loss. Um, I think. I think going into this weekend that we've just had Easter Bank holiday, I think I only had one track day this year or two where I had profit. The rest have either been scraping to break even or losses. Because obviously yeah. the the whole cost of living, which is just a domino effect. Yeah, um, I mean you, you've got you've obviously got your fuel getting there. Um, you know your 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 in goings and outgoings etc. Like that, but I mean you know if if you if you go down the route of saying it's 50 quid for your shots, I mean, you know, you've got to get at least five, six people in there to make it worth your while going. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the thing is at the minute, what I've noticed massively is with track days, they're really quiet. Yeah. yeah. yeah they are. So, 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 if, quiet. so if, if, so if people are struggling to actually do a track day, the people that are there, you know, it's, it's obviously going to be very difficult for them to find, you know, f- it all depends, obviously. 50 quid is 50 quid. 50 quid is yeah. a lot of money to some people. 50 quid is nothing to others. But you've got to find an extra 50 quid to, to you know, to to pay for a, a photographer. Yeah. So that's yeah, probably exactly. what, what, that's probably one of, at the minute, the things that people will go without. Oh, 100%. And I'm, I'm not an idiot. I completely understand it because the, the luxury is the track day. Doing the track day is a luxury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you've got the cost of tyres, which obviously you spoke about, I think it was last week, which are going through the roof. Yeah, fuel will still not come down. So that's another, that's more expensive than they used to be. So any spare money on top of that to photos, there's a lot less money available for it. Have you noticed the difference is, that between? Is no excuse for people to take your photos and use them without paying for them. No. Oh no, yeah, that really not. winds me up. We're talking yeah. just now about how you, how you struggle to do it, and you provide a service for people, but there they are, just taking these photos, and you know. I'll 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 use that for my own social media or whatever. It's not it's not fair. That's I mean, why I don't like it. That's why it winds me up. This year, so far, touch wood, I've not had too many do that to me. Um, I it's because I know that we've been saying corner, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to be fair, yeah. um, But I know there have been other track day photographers that have had that done to them. Obviously, I've had that done to me in the past. Um, but I sort of, I got, uh, I kept biting, so to speak, and kept. Whenever I saw my photos being screenshotted, I kept sort of making a, a point. Across and that point became very repetitive and people started to stop with that. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, the track day photos, I don't get paid by companies to go. I go there and the, and I never know what I'm going to earn from a day. I only ever earn what I sell. So for me, go to go with the cost of living this year, I should have really got my prices to go with it and stay in the track day album. It's 40 quid for the lot or £10 per image. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is because you get better value at the album than mm-hmm. the individual image. Um, so by the time you have like two or three, it's sort of, it's a case of, well, I might as well spend that. You might as well just get the whole lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. because for me, all yeah. the, the photos, I go around the track, I run around the track all day, I come back, I'll spend the evening going through, editing them, organising them, then the next day uploading them, then I'll mm. put on the hard drive and I won't, and I won't look at them again. Yeah. Whereas for you guys, it's you on track. The chances are you're going to look at them a lot more than what I will. Yeah. Um. So, 
that that's why it's sort of that pricing to sort of push us towards the album, but still give you really good value for money. Because it's not like I'm saying I'll give you four photos for forty quid. Mm. I'll give you minimum fifty if you do all the day, and it's fifty good quality photos around as many different locations as I can physically cover. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, I've 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 noticed that massively. Is it you know with you know with you being friends with you is that um I know you know I'll happily pay you for the for the day, but I know you will take more pictures of me. Yeah, than, you exactly. know, than, than, people... than, than anyone else. If people come to me before the day, which I've do, I do push like in especially in the briefing. Now it's like if you do, if you are interested in photos, come and see me after the briefing. Yeah, and let me know what group and what bike you're in, and I'll yeah. obviously make sure to keep an eye out for you. Yeah, obviously I still photograph everyone as much as I physically can. Yeah, but at like Cadwell the mountain, for example, doing the mountain in and out. There's what people go to Cadwell for are the mountain shots. Mm-hmm. But if you if it's a sold out track day, and if you don't tell me to look out for you before then you're running the risk that if you're in a group of like five or six riders for the entire session, yeah. I might not get you. Because obviously if I'm going for bike one, three, five, the first, the one lap, and then two, four, six for the next, mm. you could have swapped positions in that group. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it does happen at times where I can't get everyone. I do try and remember which bikes I've got and which ones I haven't, and I'll make a point to try and get everyone at every single spot at least once. Mm. But obviously if there's a red flag that comes out, then it's it's not always possible. So I, I I I don't get why you're in limbo like that though, because to 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 go on a track day, you have to book the fucking thing, and you have to book it in advance, and you will know whether you want photos or not. Obviously, there's going to be the impromptu ones where the guys in the novice group that are just going round, and but then they have a a worldy corner where they're like, oh my fucking god, and there happens to be a picture. It? With the knee so, down, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, you're gonna get every now and again the occasional person who never intended to get a photo but does. But the majority of people that go on a track day know whether they want to have a photo at the end of the day or not. So why can they not notify you in advance so you know that it's not going to be a wasted trip? Um, it's a good question. Um, is it because you don't know where you're going to be? No, I know where I'll be in the day. Um, maybe if I was to say in the briefing, like my what exactly what spots I'm going to be, might might change it a bit. But obviously, where I say I'm going to be is all subject to change depending on like yeah, red yeah. flags or weather. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I see like a we've got rain forecasting an hour and a half, and mm. I'm at Cadwell, and it's like I'll I'll swap certain spots around, so I'll then go into the mountain earlier than I usually mm. would. Yep. Or if it's going to be drying up later, I'll do different spots and then go to the mountain. No, I mean, I mean, like on the so on the on the admin instruction that they send out a week before your track day, it says who the photographer is, and I, I know that Paul has his eyes out because nobody fucking reads that part, and he's always inundated with questions afterwards. Who's the photographer? <laughs> yeah. But if people if people actually read that and there was a link to your website, there's but- a link on the email to Peter Warman's website. Because uh, he's the top uh, no limits photographer for the track days. Yeah, he's the one with a media contract, and he subs it down to me. Right. Um. So on his website, he'll have all the events that have been coming up to that point. And then, obviously, so say for example, you're at Mallory on the Monday just gone. They click the link on the email, which should get, take you to Pete's website. You then click the event on Pete's website, which will fire you over to my website. Right. Um. And then you'll be able to see the Mallory event, and then go yeah. on to find your photos that way. 
But you you can't be the only photographer that's making a loss at these events now with the dwindling numbers. I think a lot of photographers are being stretched. That, photographers. That's what, the, I don't know if MSV are the same as us, where MSV either pay the photographer a set day rate or MSV photographers sell to the, their riders on that day. I, I don't know. So the MSV, you buy the photos through the MSV photography website, don't you? It's not, it doesn't so actually go to... That to me would suggest that they pay a they pay him. day rate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas for us, we only we don't get paid by no limits, but we have the the right to sell to all you guys. You're just a subcontractor, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. some days will be good, some days less so. Yeah. Um. So I'll say over in the summer, hope the the hope would be that it picks up. Um, what the fuck it, was that? My dog. <laughs> <laughs> Your dog just tried to eat your microphone. <laughs> no, he barked at something. He's fucked off. <laughs> I shit myself, man. <laughs> I'm deaf now. Nah, he, he loves to get on the pod. <laughs> he, fell, he, he fell off the bed on my one. Now he just he barked down my ear. <laughs> Sorry, Joel. <laughs> it's fine. Um, what was I on about now? I forgot. No, dog distracted know. me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> On just thinking out loud about how you could um, mitigate the risk that you that you currently have of turning up to a track day and being completely out of pocket. Yeah, I mean, obviously because of that, I've had to put other sort of measures in place. Um, so I do night photography in the evening. Um, so there'll be some days where I'll be doing a twenty-two hour day. Fucking um, hell! Bloody hell! Yeah, the my average track day is about a, tw- a 19 hour day by the time i get up in wow. the morning drive to the track shoot the day get back uh download the camera have you ever read at working time directive <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have but I, don't, I just don't stick to it the work-life balance for me is something that i just can never grasp and every time i do I, I'm, I'm just like i can't sleep at night unless i've got the work done yeah um so mm. i'd rather organize the photos that night um, and then get get them uploading overnight so that they can go live the next day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so by the time I get back in the evening, download the camera, edit and organise, that's another six, seven, eight hours. People, people don't see that side no, no. of it, though, do yeah, they? Yeah. No. It, it's like like this, pod, this podcast. I, mean, I know the audio quality isn't absolutely bang on yet. It will be. I will get there. Um, but people only listen to a two-hour episode and think, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just two hours. They don't see the where well, last week I started editing. Uh, I started editing at three o'clock on the Friday afternoon. Uh, sorry, on the Thursday afternoon, and I f- I finished at one o'clock in the morning. And by the time I'd finished it, like the editing, and all it is is taking out little little bits of sound here and there. And um, yeah, I just our threaders fucking publish. Um, so yeah, people just don't see what goes on in the background. So I completely get it, Joel. Really do. Yeah, yeah. So for me, obviously, if I were to charge an hourly hourly rate for a twenty hour day per person, it's going to be astronomical. So that's why I sort of charge it at forty pound um, for the whole album. That um, makes sense. So <laughs> by the Which time you factor in very all the hours, priced as well. If you, if you factor have. in all the hours that I've do put in, the cost of the equipment, the cost of fuel, my own expenses for that day. Forty pound is quite a reasonable price, and that's why I have I charge it at that. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I don't force anyone, and I never will force anyone to buy the album. 
Um, but obviously, if you do go for photos, obviously, I do appreciate if you get the whole album rather mm. than the odd one or two. But I do also appreciate that a lot of people already have a million and one photos of them on track. So they do just want the odd one or two here and there. Oh, you can have, you can never have too many, Joel. Never. But that's the thing is that if people are going to go to the, you know, to to the trouble of going onto your website. What is your website, by the way, Joel? What is it? Uh, it's just joelcooperphotography.com. Oh, nicely. Nicely done. I am going to say something <laughs> here, which is a bit of a, an exclusive. Um, it will be getting a facelift at some point soon, or he's oh. planning to get a facelift at some point soon. Um, so I don't know when, but there's it's going to be getting changed soon. It's still going to be very user-friendly. It's still going to be based around what it is. But at some point soon, it's going to have a new look. Um, nice. I'm, I've been looking at it just now, and I can tell you, um, little tip, you need some more photos of me on there. Ah, some that'll, more of you. Yeah, that'll, um, that'll do it. Does that mean you need to buy more? It means you need to do more track days. Yeah. yeah I'm at Cadwell next Thursday. Are you there? Um, off the top of my head, no. I'm at Croft, I think. I was meant to be at the Cadwell, um, but I did a date swap with Pete for two Crofts for one Cadwell. Okay. Right. So I think it's Pete that'll be there, but I could be wrong. Just means you have to try extra hard over the mountain now, isn't it? Can I, can I, can I just say that when you go over the mountain, is that technically a wheelie? Because... No. I, well, I don't know. I don't know. It depends it, which wheel's it, off the ground. Right. I was going to say, if both go off the ground, I'd class that, and then it's the second okay. one. So If both go off the ground, it's a jump. It's a jump. Yeah, yeah, it's a jump, but obviously the mountain is easy to wheelie over. So The mountain just it, naturally creates the wheelie. Yeah. You're not if, doing that. So is if, it a wheelie or...? If the, front wheel, more of a case if, of, if the front wheel comes up and drops straight back down again, fucking get in the bin. That's just inertia. It's not if, a wheelie, it's inertia. But if, if you, you can get it up and down if you, and if you ca- up again, if you then ca- class that. If you catch it and you, and you continue the momentum with the front wheel in the air, that's a wheelie. Yeah. Or oh, if, you get, if you go over oh, the and then it lands and then it comes back up again. <laughs> Aaron looks oh, upset. Mate. <laughs> Has he even done off. Cadwell? Have I? <laughs> don't, oh, don't get me started. He doesn't like Cadwell because he's not wheelie over the mountain. Enlighten us. What happened at Cadwell? Oh, I kind of went there. My bike didn't work. I did maybe... Well, the first session, I struggled to keep up with the CB500 instructor. I did three Running. laps or four laps. I don't know, and then went home. It was shite. Mount, the mountain's awful. I'm going to tell you now. I hate it. I, I don't hate it. It's just it's just pointless. I can't wait, to go, I can't wait to go around there on a the CB. It does look good. I have to admit, the street bikes or the CBs are the two bikes, which I think would be a great laugh to go around Cadwell on. I love going around there on a 600. I can't stand it on a litre bike, but that's just because I'm fucking fat, old, and unfit. Yeah. Have you ever <laughs> done any... <laughs> Have you ever done any track days yourself, Joel? Uh, no, I don't, I don't ride. I don't ride. Right. I don't have AC or bike licence, so no. Maybe one day I would. I'd love to I've, one day. It's just when you I've said earlier really. that that was your dream when you when you got older. Um, and then you took the photography thing. I didn't know whether, you know, you just maybe did some track day stuff or whatever. Yeah, no, no, I've never Fuck. never been on track. Unless you cast class go-karting, which I don't think you can. He's it, um, wanting a Lensworth 13 grand. 
He ain't getting on a bike any second. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Like, my setup probably does cost the same as some some bikes. Some of the bikes do. Go on, then. Value, value all your kit. How much oh, you reckon? Gosh. Oh, that, that, I don't know if I can do that. Tell you uh, I've got a missus. Yeah, I don't. I thought you did. No, no. Oh, just get about, are you? No, not really. <laughs> I just okay. keep myself to myself, to be honest. To be uh, fair, I, if I if I work twenty two hour a days, I don't think I'll have to stay with us. I was, I was gonna yeah, say the, no. the last thing I need when I'm doing them sort of hours is someone nagging me. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Not that I'm talking from experience or anything. No, you you're right. You are right, definitely. You're I think you look, Yeah, I think you look like Rory Skinner with that new haircut. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting there, yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, it's it's not bad shout yeah. that. Not yeah. bad, yeah. We do, we do get some good lookalikes on this uh, on this pod. Yeah, Ant and Deck. Don't you? Oh, I'm not even going to... Don't mind me. He <laughs> sent me a picture before. I've had I, my haircut. Look, and it looks Aaron, like I've got a Aaron's forehead, forehead is massive, look. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good five-head, mate, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> like a forehead like a drive-in movie. Get it. Got I, Ant and Deck with Aaron. I, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been someone different for two weeks on bounce now. Who was it? Honey G, you were. Honey G, you were last. Fred. Fred. Fred and Honey G. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you this week? I don't, I don't know. Ball, pa- ball patches out there, big time. It's Aaron that spots this. Last last week, he texts me saying, Honey G in the house. <laughs> it's because he's, he's busy uh, scouring all the uh, bloody showbiz websites, isn't it? Looking for pictures of orders. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate. Did you see her phone bags? That oh, one? Yeah. mate. Bloody hell, they're digging You know, it gets to the point now where it's just like the amount of people that tag me in <laughs> anything re- you know, remotely to do with her now. I do it all the time. Oh, oh like, mate. <laughs> as soon as I see Jamie Harris has tagged you or anything, else, I'm like, I'm not looking at that. And then I, I have to. You do. You like, just want to look at this. It's a new photo of me bird. I'd look... If we, if we knew her address, I'd probably send her a, a late apex hoodie and ask her to send us a picture of her eating a, a foot long subway. <laughs> <laughs> that would be class. What a fucking image that would be. <laughs> I, I reckon she'd do anything for a bit of coin. Well, she's she got like four guys on the go or something. Uh, ten. Ten guys? Jesus Christ. They're not boyfriends, they're special friends, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah is, that what, like... is, that what you, is that what they call them, Aaron? Uh, honestly, mate, I'm not getting involved. <laughs> I'm sorry, quite. Time, uh, yeah, very, very. She's uh, <laughs> she's she's a nice girl. Yeah. Wait, why? I'm still going oh. on about it. Someone change the subject. <laughs> you know. Five hundred quid, would you? No. Fuck off. No, no chance. I have got. No, I haven't got. Have I got standards? No. Mm-hmm. No. I don't know. No. I don't know. No. Jill, would you? What's, uh, your, what's your would... last going to say to that? She doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't listen to this. <laughs> He's going. I don't have any standards. She's, she's, like, she's listening to it right now. Bastard. Can, can, can I? Can we do that five second pause? Can we? Can we edit this out? Into the doghouse she go. Yeah, but Joel, a very, very uh, Rory Skinner there. Like it is, that. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> So look at the back. The back. Wow. Oh. I've, 
I was looking for a mullet or something. <laughs> no, no, there's no, there's no <laughs> mullet there. You could pull that off. That, like, yeah, that really? that needs mulleting yeah, all I day reckon, long. I reckon so. I reckon so. Like, I'm not even taking the piss. I reckon you probably could. And a moustache. Mm, nah, that's uh, just... I don't think it does. <laughs> I mean, I do have a white beard. One one eight, one one eight, or whatever yeah, it's called. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bit much that. Yeah, mission twenty twenty three, get a mullet. <laughs> yeah, just do it for us. Yeah, do it for the late apex. Yeah. So you haven't been covering any club racing this year, have you? You've just been doing track days. No, uh, no, uh, just the track days this year. Um, between the track days, uh, the nightclub work, and I am working with a studio. Um in Stoke, um, called Kill Studios. And we actually have got something coming up in the pipeline, but we're still very early stage at the minute, so we can't say too much about that yet. Babe Station. Uh, no. <laughs> that's in Milton Keynes. No. That's in Milton Keynes. I hang about there quite a lot. But yeah, so we've got something coming in the pipeline there. Um, and then obviously with MotoGP as well, I'm I'm pretty pretty booked up in my calendar. I might need to edit that out because in the same sentence you've linked Babe Station, we're coming in a pipeline. <laughs> 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 so no no club. Have you got any aspirations to go back into? Well, stupid question, uh, really. We're in a MotoGP paddock. To be honest, if the opportunity does come back and I can fit it in the calendar, I'll I'll do the odd round here and there if I could. Um, because I know a lot of the riders have been asking, am I coming back? Would I come back? And I do say, if the opportunity does come, and yeah, I would go back, but I would have to, I can't commit to the whole seasons. Yeah. I'd have to do the odd round here and there. But even so, there's still, there was a lot of the riders would still jump at the opportunity to, to have me back in the paddock for even if it's just one or two or three rounds. Have you ever, ever thought about doing road racing? Um, I have, but. I prefer the short circuit racing, to be honest with you. I've got a massive appreciation for road racing. Um, but for me, I just prefer short circuit racing. The thing is, because of the distance between the, the bikes and the crowd, do you not think that you'd be able to get better, uh, not better pictures, but uh, a it's... completely different kind, more, oh, yeah. more, more, I... more, more, atmosphere, more atmospheric pictures? If, to be honest, if the opportunity did come up, me to cover the TT one day, then the the paycheck was good. Then yeah, if it fits with the camera, I'd, I'd do it. Mm. Just to say, because I feel like you've it's something you've got to say you've done as a TT once in your life. Like I've never gone across. Uh, I've only ever watched it on the TV. Um, so if the first time I did get to do the TT would have been media side, that'd be pretty cool. Um, if you if you went over just to watch it, you would be like, yeah. I need to come back here with my camera next year. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I feel like if I were to go once, the bug would bite me, but I've never actually been to a, a road race, so... I'll get up to Oliver's I, Mount. I have that's considered it. a road race. Right, hold I, I might, if the, if the budget can stretch and the, the timings work, I might have to have a dabble over the, the, the pond to the northwest. Yeah, fair dues. So um, you've, been, you've been listening to all the pods so far, haven't you, Joel? Me, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Bearing in mind that you're not doing club photography, what have you thought of the uh, club race reports that people have been sending in? I think it's really unique. I think it, it's a, a huge USP to the podcast and it it makes it more of a community. Yeah, that well, that's what we're trying to create, isn't it? It's, um, I, it makes everyone else feel like they're involved in it. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's exactly what we're trying to achieve with the podcast because 
we're the dickheads that are doing this every week, but we want everybody to feel like they're on board and part of the late apex. I think um, by doing what you're doing does does that job. Yeah, it's just trying to tempt people to to do it. Um, I had uh, a lad that was racing at Emma round one, Jamie Ingham. Um, he put a comment and I said, uh, on, I think he wrote a race report and I went, look, this race report's mega. Do you fancy having a go at committing it to audio? And he was, oh, I don't know. I've never done anything like that. Same thing as what you said. I don't like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But encouraged him to do it. And uh, so, yeah, this is his uh, account of Emra round one. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Just want to give a quick recap on what happened for me at round one with Emra over the weekend. Uh, we ran Mini Twin on an SV650 and a CB500 in the CB class and the Open 500. We had a great qualifying in the morning. Uh, it was very wet, so I was fairly confident after the brand's hatch with NG the week before on the Ducati. Unfortunately, on the CB500 qualifying, I only got one. I was on my flying lap, and somebody had a little accident, and we had a red flag, so I didn't wasn't able to post the time. Uh, that put me on the back of that grid. Mini, mini twin qualifying went a lot better. Forgot to change the suspension in the bike, so we ran with dry settings. Managed to put that one on pole. Open 500 in the real first go on the CB. Uh, wet tyres on a drying track. Managed to qualify that one in fifth, which was very surprising. First time on the bike. Very happy with that. First race on the CB500 from the back of the grid. Uh, managed to claw my way up to 13th overall with the best lap time of 103. Not a bad shout considering hadn't rode the bike before that day really. Uh, race one on the mini twin from pole got an average start made a few places lost a few places uh, end of lap two got myself back into the mix and back into first place on the twin uh, ended ended up crossing the line third overall behind the likes of Richard Cooper on his BMW um, he was absolutely phenomenal on that thing uh, race one on the open 500 from fifth on the grid we had a bit of a problem uh, got down to Edwina's after a fairly average start, got there and decided we had no brakes. Managed to take some good evasive action and just miss a few guys in front. Then pulled up and stopped at the hairpin and called it there. Uh, race two on the CB500 after we removed the brake system, put it on from one bike onto the other. Uh, went back out and started from the back of the grid. Uh, had a fairly good race, a few good battles as always. CB500 racing seems to be that way. Uh, still doing lap times in the th one minute three bracket. Uh, and I was very happy with that. I think across the line 19th in the end. Race two on the mini twin, third on the grid. Uh, again, had a great race. Richard Cooper and Leon Gcott this time were miles above everybody else. Uh, Leon G. Cook on that ZXR 400 is very quick and taught me a few things when coming past into Gerrard's. Uh, managed to follow him for a few laps, tried to take his line through the bus stop and I cannot ride as well as he can. I ended up colliding with the rumble strip on the way out and everyone knows that hurts. Uh, race two on the Open 500 came. We made a decision not to run on the CB just due to the brake issues we'd had. Uh, managed to take the Mini Twin out with permission from the organisers started from back of the grid so 34th spot and managed to end the day with a second place in that after having a few good battles along the way against some of my normal rivals on the twins 
Um, all in all, great meeting. Thanks a lot to Emra, as always. And we'll be back at some point for a future rounds. Uh, roll on Castle Coombe in a few weeks with NG. Back on Ducati. See you guys soon. Right, a huge thanks to Jamie for sending us that account of his weekend. Please keep sending them in. Uh, like we said to Joel a second ago, we want to involve uh, the whole club community in this podcast. And while you might think your voice is boring, it gives you guys listening a short bit break from us gobshites. Uh, anyway, we're going to pick up things where we left off with Joel. But before we do, uh, just want to give a weekly shout out to our uh, guest mic sponsor, Dan Parker Motorsport Coaching. Are you looking to take your performance to the next level? Do you want to develop the mindset of a champion and consistently f- perform at the best on track? Then check out Dan Parker Motorsport Mindset Coach. Dan Parker is dedicated to helping y- people like you achieve peak performance. So whether it's pre-race nerves that's holding you back, trouble staying focused during a race, or simply the fear of failure, Dan Parker can help. With personalised coaching programmes tailored to your specific needs, you can learn the skills and strategies needed to get to the front of the pack and stay at the front. So why wait? Get in touch with Dan to find out more, and be sure to mention the Apex, and you'll receive 20% discount on Dan's advertised coaching fees. So a huge thanks to Dan for taking the leap of faith and backing us, uh, when in truth we've achieved bugger all really with this podcast. Uh, by helping us to fund and source the equipment the podcast relies on though, it allows us to focus our energy on the content for you guys listening. So do give us uh, a like and a follow, share and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, let's get back to the show. So, Joel, pros versus spectators. You alluded to it earlier on that it happens and you said yourself that uh, it's how you started in the game. Um, so what are, you, what are your thoughts on the whole pros versus spectators piece when it comes to photography? I think there's two sides to the story. I think pros need to accept and understand that spectators are there. They're paying customers effectively um, and they've got every right to have a camera um, and take photos and post them. And I also think that the public need to appreciate that photographers aren't there for free. They're there to work, whether it's for publications or for riders. And there's a level of respect for whether they're giving photos to riders for free or ramming social media with them. Um, but obviously, it's about finding that balance. That, how do you achieve that balance then? Um, for me, it was it's a case of you you wait a day or so before you start giving riders or messaging riders for about free photos. Give the pros a chance, yeah, a style and and get their photos live on websites. Give them that chance, that little window before you start saying, "Oh, I've got these photos." There you go, um, and then that might stop, uh, might hamper potential future sales. Same on track days, not just in BSB or other club racing or anything. Just in general, I think that that's the way it should be. That way, there the professionals get their chance at selling photos, and the public get their chance at giving the riders photos and a bit of exposure for themselves as well. So everyone would win that way. Yeah. Um. And that way, there you're not stepping on anyone's toes, and there'll be that level of respect. Yeah, between everyone. So I've I've seen people um, <coughs> using the argument that their photos aren't uh, professional quality and all that kind of stuff. But I suppose somebody who's just doing a track day, they're not really asked about the quality as long as it's a clear image. Yeah, I mean, I'll, probably one of the worst tracks for it is Cadwell. That like there's a few of the lads there 
who are consistently there with the camera, and I've obviously got to know them. They're they're quite good. They're they're good lads, fan fan guys. Um, but you do get the odd one who would just post anything and everything of every rider. Um, and for me, I'm looking at the photo and I'm thinking, there's no movement in the chain, there's no movement in the wheels. It's probably shot at one eight thousandth of a second, and there's no, there's nothing there to show that the bike's moving. Mm. But for a track day rider, they might see that photo and think, oh, it's a great shot because I'm sharp and clear. Yeah. And then they'll have that photo from the track day and not look at the the website. And that's not just me referring to my photos, it's for every other yeah, yeah, photographer yeah. around. Um, and there's been many a times where I've shot the day and shot the evening, uh, got home, just sat down, started downloading the camera, and uh, scrolling through Facebook, and I'm already seeing public people, like members of the public, already posting photos from the day and riders getting tagged in yeah. on their photos, which I've obviously got nothing against. But that's where the sort of, give the photographer a chance to get them live comes in. Um, yeah, you're relying on people's moral compass there, though, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Some have it more than others. Um, but uh, the places like Alton Park, there's not really many. There's Mallory, you get the odd ones. Um, and obviously at Mallory, there's a lot. Where we can stand at Mallory is pretty much where all the public can stand. Yeah. So Mallory's a tough one to make your photos stand out. You've really got to do something special or catch that that moment. Mm. Um, which is why for me, when I'm running around the tracks, I'm covering as many angles as I can, getting as many shots as I can in that short period of time. So for me, the track day isn't the track day. The track day is the hours spent in the gym during the off-season. It's the, the sprint training that I'm doing in the off-season, in the winter, in the cold, the wind, the rain, anything. I'm out on the field doing sprint training and then sort of controlling my breathing so I know I can sprint from one spot to another control my breathing and get the photos and not know you that know I'm what shaking. i'd not thought about i've not even fucking I've considered that. that yeah i will be i would not be able to sprint from one sector to another and yeah. not not be blowing out of my ass oh yeah so when i'm sprinting i'm i'm blowing especially if it's a long haul sprint like i am blowing at times but then as soon as i get to that spot i'm controlling my breathing i'm just focused on i'm that focused on the bike in front on and the the bike's coming round I just sort of either hold my breath or I'm just controlling it. And then once I've got the, the shots, then I'll start catching my breath and then I'll see more bats and I'll start and control it. And then I'll sprint again. And that's like shooting shots. a rifle. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. If a camera is effectively a rifle, just rather than a bullet, you're catching a frame, you're catching a moment in time. Fucking, um, I'd, I'd never thought of that. Like, marksmanship principles to take a picture. The... the, the <laughs> The sprint race in Porto Mal, that was tough. That was probably the most intense sprint race I've ever done. Obviously, all the years of club racing, it's just sprint race, sprint race, other than the endurances. Um, so- hold up, hold up, hold up. You're in a MotoGP paddock. Surely you've got a fucking scooter. Um, I, I hop on and off the scooter as, as and when I can. Um, I do run around the track with this on a helmet, so I can hop on and off other people's scooter, but I don't have my own scooter. Um, just get one of little lime scooters. They're fucking everywhere nowadays. Oh, fucking Segway. Get you someone to get a Segway. Well, even, even so, it's a case of transporting it to and from the, the, the rounds. <laughs> so for me, it's, it's easiest for me to either hop on someone's scooter if they're offering a lift or just run it. So going into the sprint race of MotoGP, it's the first sprint race in history. Yeah. Um, And I was like, well, I've not shot many any MotoGP races media side, really, like proper. Um, So I was like, okay. 
where I'm at a massive disadvantage, but then I went into the mindset of, well, hang on, none of us have done sprint races, but I've done a lot of sprint races all last year and the year before that. So I can sort of pitch in my head, but I think this is club racing. What would I do if I'd get one lap here, I'd get another lap there, and then I move for another lap. But obviously the GP lads coming around are a lot, are a lot faster. So yeah. I think to sprint a lot faster than what I would before. And obviously the weather conditions are a lot warmer in Portugal than what they were in England. Um, so I think during that 12-lap sprint race at Portugal, I covered 0.7, of the track, uh, like mile of the track. I shot turn one. Uh, not turn one, sorry, I did. One, two, I shot turn three um, around the apex, so corner entry, apex, corner exit. Then I crossed, went up over a bridge and then I went round to up the hill to turn four. Got some back shots of him going up the hill into turn four as well. Then I was down the straight um, at the end of the race. And then 12 laps, I've never felt like 12 laps have flown so fast in my life. Um, and obviously as the race goes on, the more fatigue starts to hit in. Yeah. But it's one of them, it's like, I knew going into the season how intense it would be. So that's what my motivation for the gym was. Like, if I hadn't been in the gym, I'd have probably missed one or two of the laps. And um, one or two laps doesn't sound a lot, but when it could be a difference between catching a shot of yeah, a client yeah. or not, mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. And that's the same sort of principle I have, even with the club racing when I did it, the track that I've got now, is I'll always give it 110% effort and I'll always run to the every spot I physically can. Because I know if I walk to a spot and I miss a moment which I could have caught had I had ran, I wouldn't sleep at night because I'd be beating myself up because I'm my mm. own harshest critic. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a heavy perfectionist and I like to think that that passion and that perfectionist does sort of get portrayed in my my photos. I'm I'm so pleased I've seen that firsthand. Is you running past it with your legs out in <laughs> your boots is a sight to behold. Yeah. It is it is beautiful. I say um is. Probably Hollywood at Donington. So when we do the races, when I did the race at Donington, I'd sort of shoot Redgate, race start, and then I'd run round the outside of Hollywood down and towards Craners. Yeah. That was always a tough one. It doesn't seem that far, um, but especially on the national circuit, when they come around every 50 seconds, 50 to a minute, you don't have a lot of time to get from one spot to another. No. Yeah. I mean, no and, no, no with, one sees that, do they? Exactly. No one sees eight, that, what goes on behind the scenes. Exactly, and with eight laps to do like a whole sector of a track you're pushing it you've got to make sure that you are there and getting everyone obviously mm. from first place down to last place is what i was covering yeah so the gap between last place and first place was getting shorter and shorter each each lap yeah i mean i mean um, hope, hope hopefully people listening to this now will understand and realize exactly what goes on because if, well, if yeah. they see if they see oh he's just a photographer he just rocks up with his buddies and sits there taking shots yeah yeah i mean I it's mean, good it's good for us and and you know the listeners to understand and get uh you know realize exactly what happens and what you go through i mean yeah, the, yeah. you like you know your, your hours that you put in you know a new website the plans you've got the places you go that you know all the fitness and training you've done to actually be you know let's not sugarcoat you are a photographer you know a trackside yeah. photographer i mean you know if if people don't want to spend borderline athlete, quid, bo- borderline, exactly. athlete. borderline athlete yeah i mean yeah since, i'll be honest since i've i've went to portugal um the the way that the other photographers ate over there, not all of them, but the guys that I was with, um, I've completely changed my diet. I'll be honest, like it was a bit of an eye opener. Like I thought I was training hard over winter, I've had to step that up, um, between 
like Portugal and Jerez. Mm. Um, so obviously balancing the the gym and track days. Whenever I'm not at a track day, I'm at the gym. Like this morning, I was straight in the gym. Woke up straight in the gym. Did two hour heavy session. It's about hitting new PBs pretty much as much as possible to get that improvement, so that I know when I go to Jerez, I've improved and I've given it everything I've got. Mm. Um, but yeah, whether it's MotoGP or track days, I'll still give it everything I've got, and that's that's sort of why I did the behind the scenes videos. Partly for my uni work, partly for me, but partly to sort of show what goes on behind scenes because no one really sees that. No one gets to see that. But no, I, I, I think I think you look. I mean, I haven't seen you like track side for a while now, but I you're just seeing it now. I, you look completely different to what you did last year. Hmm. You like you like you like you like honestly you like a completely different person. I, I mean, you know, I, I know I know people go through their you know, their blips throughout their life and all that. And I know you you had a bit of a tough time with, you know, with, with juggling. Yeah, everything, yeah. But... Last last year was a tough year behind the scenes. Um, yeah. But a lot of it, a lot of it now is sort of steadied. Um, yeah. So it's sort of, it's going in the right direction again. Was that was that from doing too much, do you think? A lot of different things went wrong around the same sort of time. And it had a massive knock-on effect. Yeah. So when I was yeah. rocking up to the, the track days, is being used as a bit of a distraction for myself mm-hmm. and but in the same time it was still at the back of my mind and i knew on that day if i was gonna have a good day or not yeah um and for me i know if i've had a good day when i'm taking the photos and if i'm taking photos and i'm missing shots yeah. i then get a bit annoyed at myself mm-hmm. and then because mm-hmm. i'm annoyed i start going down a downward spiral and then i know that the day's pretty much written off for me like you guys won't notice that no, no, no. they'll still be a good quality, but for me, they're like, well, they're not centered, not consistent. The my keeps delete ratio isn't as good, and I'll I'll be really harsh on myself. Yeah. Um, and then if I can't bounce back the next track day, and it's still the same, then it starts getting harder and harder to get the motivation and start enjoying it. Because I've been there has been times where I've been close to walking away. It's it. like us with lap times. Yeah, there's been a lot of times where I've been close to walking away from it, but I'm glad I I fought through the hard times, and and stuck around and stuck at it. Yeah, I'm. I'm I mean, I'm, we, we, you know, we're all we're all glad that you that you've done that. I mean, yeah. you know, you, the way you, you know, I, I know from last year how much you struggled and and everything else like that. And you know, it's it's hard to approach the subject, but you know, you know, someone when they're on a downward spiral and you can you can see it, and it's yeah. so hard to talk about. But seeing and hearing you now, you're a completely different person, and that passion yeah. is there. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's there, I mean, and everyone can hear it. Everyone can see it. I mean, you know, now from where you were, from you know, sleeping in a tent. I know we laughed and joke about it, but freaking hell, that must have been shite, like really shit to be doing that. And then to you know to see what what you've done at MotoGP and the quality of pictures. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm I say things exactly as they are. And if if you've taken pictures of me and I say Joel, they weren't very good. I you know yeah. I'd say them, but your quality of pictures in the last like year. Have taken a massive, a massive jump, and yeah, fair dues to you, mate. It's good to see you looking, and and you know, yeah, it's good it. to see you. That, no, that was my goal. That was yeah. my goal over winter. It's like I got in the mindset around, to be honest, around the September. My my mindset was let's just get through twenty twenty two. Let's just get this year out of the way and start fresh in twenty twenty three. Clean slate it, um, and then end of season happened towards. Well, for me, I ended my season earlier than what I planned because track days got cancelled in October. Yeah. So my my last two days were actually at Anglesey. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely worse tracks to end the year on. Yeah. Um. So I finished on the 14th and 15th of October last year. 
Mm. Um, so for me, my goal over winter was to sort of reset, regroup and pick myself up again and, and go into this year knowing that I'm at the, the peak that I have been, but yeah. still got ways to go. And yeah. the only way I'm going to get to the level I want is by putting the graft in. I've got right a, I was absolutely buzzing when uh, I think it was first practice at Port of Mayo. There's this picture going round all over the freaking place, going mental on online of Marquez uh, getting a, yeah, a practice yeah. start wrong, yeah. and then underneath Joel Cooper. I was like, I'll fucking the kid smashed it like the first click yeah. of his fucking camera. Boom! I'll be honest, I'm the only photographer that got that angle. Oh, I know. There was, there was, <laughs> there was no, there's no other photographer who was who was next to me. Yeah. That Marquez shot. I am the only one who's got. Of that that specific moment, there might be someone in the grandstand, but you probably have fencing in it. What a way to clip! Yeah, my name's Joel Cooper. I'm here. <laughs> nice to yeah. meet you all. <laughs> um, so for me, that that photo did make me smile when I got it. Obviously, it's probably one in a million shot. Yeah, I could go the rest of the season and not get a better shot than that, but I won't know. And I still think I'm going to get a better shot than that next round and the round after that. I'm going to improve that, and I'm just going to yeah. keep getting better and and keep improving. And that's what I want to do. I'm never, I'm never satisfied with what I get. I could yeah. have, I could have one of the, the greatest threat I've ever got in my career, and I'll still think, oh, I could have done that different, or I wish I did that different, and yeah. I'd know the next time. And that next time might never happen, but I know I'm still working towards a potential next time. Yeah. I thought when I saw you last year, you looked like you were struggling. I just thought you'd got a bird. <laughs> yeah, it all went wrong. Yeah, but, no, I thought... it was probably when I did lose the bird. To be fair. No, I thought I thought you just got one. <laughs> Christ, I believe that depressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I did try and hide it. So sort of I try I do try and keep work life and personal life very separate. Um but obviously getting a work life balance is pretty tough when I'm doing the hours that I do. Um so obviously sometimes it does overlap. But the goal for this year was to to bounce back and I definitely think this year I have and I, I'm I'm not even saying this to promote the photos, but I've started the year getting some of the best photos that I've got in general. You see, you definitely see it, mate. Honestly, like the the consistency is so so much stronger. Like at the start of last year, I'd say my consistency to keep to the lead was probably around the ninety percent, which is pretty high. Mm. And I'm getting like nine thousand photos to have a ninety percent keep to the lead. I'm keeping eight uh, nine thousand one hundred photos roughly. Uh, then towards the end of the year, it tailed off to about 70%, which obviously I wasn't too impressed at. But for a normal person, that's still pretty good. Uh, but this year, it's straight back up to the high 90s. Um, so pretty much every photo that I'm taking is pretty much going on the website. No, it's good to see, mate. It really is. Fair do to you. Thank you very much. So you said that the track days, you're, you're finishing in October. You must, you must keep up with your photography to stay sharp do you, do you do any like winter sports or anything like that i don't do any winter sports i do nightclub work that obviously picks up during the winter um i did like i said i work with a studio in stoke Um, we did a bit of that we had a, a dog weekend where i was photographing pets over christmas Um, that was quite quite very different but quite a fun weekend um but obviously this this winter we're going to be looking to add an extra element to the whole studio in general. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if that does happen, there'll be a big post about that as and when. Um, without giving too much away, it could be 
quite beneficial to a lot of people in the club racing scene. Right. Um, but yeah, between the nightclub work and me being in the gym, that was pretty much how I spent my winter. So have you, have you not thought about going and doing like rally, uh, doing photos of rallying or I'd love to go to a rally enduro or something? The, 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 the dirt trails, I'd love to do one day. But photographing cars and photographing bikes are two completely different animals. Yeah. Obviously, cars, you, you've got to show the wheels are moving. Hmm. Um, whereas for bikes, you lean over more and you, it's a shot that would work for a bike wouldn't work for a car and a shot that would work for a car wouldn't work for a bike. Right. And for me, I know the tracks inside now. I can name pretty much any corner around any racetrack and say what the shot would be, whether it be good or bad or name the corner name. Whereas you put me with cars around the same track, I'd be like, uh, I don't know which whether that shot would work. I'd have to go and it might different, not work. Taking different lines and stuff. Yeah. Exactly that. Exactly that. They're crashing That's... different places. The 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 sort of turn in and break at different places. Yeah. I'd have to completely relearn everything for cars compared to bikes. Yeah. So I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure motocross, um, it's pretty much open. You can just go and photograph that. You could, but for me, I'd, you, you've got to have an in. Like for me to go to a motocross event in the, the rain, the cold, I thought I'd want something for, for the time. Yeah. Um, and obviously... Going back to the spectators and professionals, I've I've got that respect for the photographers that are already there, mm. so I don't want to go in and tread on anyone's toes straight away. But you'd be you'd be getting out of it though, like training in the same way that us us guys that race, we'd go and I don't know jump on a pit bike or we'd jump on motocross bikes and yeah, yeah. To, just to keep our hand in. Well, yeah. To be honest, it sounds tough, but that's what the nightclub stuff does because it, it it's that intense. When I'm I'm sort of dancing my way through the dance floor, I'll be honest. I've got everyone who's... Fucking popping LSD. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more of a case of everyone's that off the reds and just falling over left, right and centre. I'm walking around with my camera man trying to get a photo of the people and I've got to be aware of 360 degrees. What's in front of me, what's behind me, who's to the left and right of me. Yeah. Um, And then sort of catching the shots and it sounds like what you still only have a split second to get that shot in a club. Yeah. So you, as soon as a song changes that they like, they're going to want to dance to it. If you're trying to position a shot, you've got to make sure you do it and you get it and you get out. Otherwise, you're in the mosh pit. Dealing with pissed um, people as well, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm there in the mosh pit trying to protect my camera, trying to get out of the mosh pit, trying to do my job. So that actually, it's very intense. By the time I get out of the nightclub, I feel like I've had a workout, trying to hold my hand up for, for like two hours straight, doing doing different shots. It's, it's a good laugh. I love it. Mm. But it's very intense. Yeah. Keeps my eye in. But it's a completely different genre to, to motorsport. Oh, well. Going back to the MotoGP then, what's the what's the plan then? Because obviously, you, if track day photography is what's helping you get out there, because um, I take it MotoGP don't pay you anything, do they? No, no, no. Um, the guy I'm working with, we've got a, he's got a budget for me. And he said I can either have this budget and do one round or two rounds and have a good payday from it. Or I could utilise it and maximise the budget to do as many rounds as I could. And obviously, if I'm willing to invest, then the more rounds I can do. Um, so we've got a target of the number of rounds in mind, um, but obviously it's all subject to change, finance situations, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, a long-term goal would, I'd love to do a whole season of MotoGP eventually yeah. one day. And I'd love to get a couple of clients one um, to fund it. Uh, but obviously I'm, I know what's required and I know 
the the chances of it are, are quite slim. But the more rounds I do get to, the more my face would be seen, the more my portfolio would build, the better chance I do get. So yeah. it's about picking and choosing the rounds that I do. So which rounds are you doing then this year? Um, I'm hoping to do most, if not all, of Europe. Um, but like I say, it's all subject to, to change. Um, but I I always shoot every MotoGP round the same as I shoot a track day, knowing it could be my last round. Mm. So I'll always give it everything I've got. And I never take it for granted because I know this opportunity that I've got is a once-in-a-lifetime chance with MotoGP. Yeah. Uh, something that I've always dreamed of, something that I've always worked towards. And something that I'm going to give it 110% for, no matter what it takes. Um, I've sacrificed a lot of stuff to get to the position I'm in now. And if it requires a few more sacrifices going forward to get that end goal and doing the whole season and having my own clients, then that's what I'm willing to do. I've I've sacrificed relationships before to do the job. And that's sort of why I stay single now. So here's, here's a thought for you. Um, just... Just putting it out there. You own the images that you take, yeah? Yeah. So you've already got one fucking absolute worldy of a picture of Marquez. Could you not get that image put onto canvas and sell those canvases? I could, yes. And I am in talks about doing that, but I want to get a couple of rounds under my belt first before I start promoting prints. Hmm. Um, so that way there I have a bigger variety available. Um, because a lot of people, I've had a couple of people message me about that Marquez shot, saying, "Oh, this is amazing! How much for, for the digital copy?" And I sort of, I, I was like, I don't really want to sell that photo because as soon as I sell that photo once, it's out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So for me, I'm sort of holding on to that photo, but that, without giving too much away, that probably would be a print that I'll look towards getting made up. Yeah. yeah. Um. But then it's a case of figuring out pricing for it, postage, and finding who to go with for the best print quality. Yeah. Because uh, obviously if I'm going to be putting all this money into MotoGP, getting all these shots and then printing them off, uh, the last thing I want to do is print them off on poor quality paper. I mm. want to have it on the best quality paper with the best quality ink and make the photo look the best it physically can. Yeah. Right. So there's a shout out to the, you guys that are listening. If any of you know anybody that's in the printing business that could help Joel out, then... Uh, Either get in touch with Joel directly or or get in touch with us and we'll we'll link you up. Uh, it's I suppose you've got to speculate to accumulate. Um, exactly. And, and if you can't if you can't rely on track day sales, you've got to look at other means to be able to keep well, you yeah. keep keep you on this path to achieving your dream. Exactly. And I I'd like to hope that track day sales will pick up, not just for me, but the actual track day numbers will pick up. I think Ty well. I think Ty Kosh have got to go down first. Yeah. Um, but I again speaking to a couple of Thai guys there, they have a price that they have to sell at. Yeah, they yeah, can't, yeah. They can't reduce it. I, I think the, the Thai guys <laughs> are being stretched. First, photographers are all yeah. being stretched. Every everyone is being stretched by the cost of living. Yeah, the, the, there's, the a, there's a misconception that people are just being greedy and they're not. Everybody's yeah, taking no. a bite of the shit pie. Well, like I said earlier, I, to go with the times, I should have got my prices this year, but I stayed where I was to try and help you guys out. Mm. Because uh, I already knew sales wouldn't be as good as what they were last year due to the living situation. Yeah. But I was hoping by staying where I was, it might tempt people in a bit. Uh, obviously, some, some are more hit and miss. Well, it's more hit and miss now than what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, But 
we are still early in the year. That's the one thing I will say is we are still early in the year. The weather hasn't been great so far. Right. I don't know where it's been like where you are. It's been fucking abysmal here today. <laughs> next week, next week, it's fucking banging. Scotch you. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Six, yes. 16, Look at the weather. 16 degrees on Monday at Cadwell. Fucking get yeah, in. It's going to be banging all week. Love it. Until the weekend <laughs> when you go racing. No, Saturday, even the weekend's what's, brilliant. What's yeah. Saturday look like? Hey, I'll show you. I'll tell you. It's, it's supposed to be decent. It's supposed to be really good. What's oh, what this Saturday coming? Yeah. So it turns good, I think. Where are we? Oh, yeah, Saturday, Sunday. It's hot. Oh, 17, okay. 18 degrees. We'll yeah. have that. Summer time. It's bloody summer. We'll have that. Yeah. Happy days. Hey, talk, talk, talking of tyres, I've uh, those those slicks I had, those Pirellis. Um, have a guess who's bought them off me? Only uh, Michael Howarth. So he's uh, he's having my slicks off me, and I've roped him in to come and pit bitch for me on Saturday. So I can't wait for that. So what? Hold on. If you've sold all those Pirellis, what are you going to do for the BSB rounds that you're entering? Just come back on Pirelli. We just sold them. Yeah, I don't like them. I do like I do like them. They just don't last, and I can't afford to be putting a rear tire in every race or so. So I've bought some Dunlops today. They're getting delivered tomorrow, hopefully. Yeah, but um, I mean, you, you, it was oh, it, it was okay. fucking fritzing when we were at Alton Park, and you were running on SC ones. Yeah, you should have. Yeah. If you'd have put the SC twos on, it wouldn't Who's have ripped on, to yeah. fuck. Yeah, yeah. Can't, can't run them, though, can we? Super Sports are zero. I know, but at least you're on a Pirelli carcass. You're still getting used yeah, to the way the tire just, moves. They're black and round. They're all the same things. Fuck's <laughs> sake. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fine. Brilliant. <laughs> they're black and round. All the same thing. <laughs> it, it, same thing. It, it'll end up entering one round, Alton Park, going on Dunlops. And fucking Dunlops. He'll run on Dunlops <laughs> and just put up with a DQ. I'll do. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, fuck it. I'm not bothered that I got disqualified. I still got to fucking race. <laughs> as, as long as I, as long as I get a cool down lap to wave to the crowd, that's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be well happy. Fucking brilliant. Right, Jamie, has there yes. been a Robin shitbag this week? I haven't seen any. I, I, I desperately looked. I bet Joel has. I bet I, Joel I, has. Actually, I've you not. I've, I've not seen any. I think because there, the weather's not been... been that great. Still, I think a lot of people have gone and done track days, maybe backed out, or or when they have done their track days, they've done half a day maybe, and they've just not been interested in... Yeah, or they've looked at the phone and thought, oh, we'll get a better one later down the line. Yeah, probably, yeah. But no, I haven't, I haven't seen any. Um, if anyone does see any throughout the week or moving forward, um, just send it across to me. Right it into our into our inbox. Two seconds. Hold that thought. Somebody did send me one. Oh, who's that twat? That was I know when that was from as well. That was the track day that I did it on. There we go. Ah, he's posted it in a thing. I I'm not in that group for obvious reasons. Okay. Um. Okay. Well, I'd like to point out, um, Nick Food, um, who's posted a photo of himself, clearly. At Alton Park, um, looks like he's probably just about just getting his just getting his knee down, riding a bit twisted there. Um, across the across the entire um, photograph, it does say <laughs> not for personal or commercial use. So he's obviously stolen that from someone. 
Uh, and that he posted sounds... that in the Yamaha R1 Owners UK um, Facebook group with a, I'm a six foot four, so it's clearly not Michael Howarth, 2005, <laughs> 2005 rider who's thinking of upgrading to a 2015 onwards. Will I fit on it? How Or how much smaller are they? Thanks. Well, if you can afford to upgrade your bike from a 2005 to a 2015, surely you can afford that photo. It sounds yeah, like that watermark would be Peter Warman's photo as well. Is it, like black, is it black diagonal text? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete Warman's. Yeah, there you go, Pete. If, li- if you're listening, get in touch with Nick and ask him for some money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. Shitbag. Got to do these things. Got to look after the boys, haven't you? Joking aside, you're right in what you're saying. If you can, if you can afford to upgrade it by a 2015 bike, you can afford to spend a fiver on a fucking photo. Yeah, and like for me, I price my photos how I want to price them and other photographers have their own prices, so what I charge won't be what other people charge and vice versa. So they're they're all roughly around a fiver for one picture though. Obviously the more you buy then the more cost effective it becomes. Well yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I push people to go for the whole day. Yeah. It's more cost effective and you get better value for your money and you get more but, photos. But more, more photos for Instagram and social media. What more do you need? The, but these people that post the ones with the watermarks on, they actually go through all the fucking thumbnails to find that image. It's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. But never mind. Anyway, there, there was one this week. He's been outed. Let's see if he does the uh, the right thing. Yeah. So, um, are you Obviously ready for On behalf of all the photographers, we all appreciate what you do for, the, for us, keeping an eye out for us um, across all photographers. I'll say that for us. I just, um, I don't know. I just, I just, I just see it as, as uh, you know, like someone's moral compass has just, you know, disappeared. It just bothers me. That's all. I couldn't tell you as to why. It doesn't affect me, but it does annoy me. If everybody did it, well, yeah. If everyone did it, we'd do nothing. And exactly. There'd no and there'd be no photographer at the event, and yeah. with no photographer, you guys don't get the photos. The ones who do pay would lose out. Yeah. It's not. It's not exactly. Uh... I don't know. We could we could go on about it all day long. It's just fucking wrong. Exactly. I, I I understand both sides of the story. I I understand and I appreciate both sides of the story. Mm. Uh, I, I, Joel, I can't. I cannot appreciate somebody not paying for a photo because it's, it's like it, walking in. It's like it's go, like going on holiday. Like going on holiday, walking into a souvenir shop and stealing a fridge magnet. It's just fucking stupid. Yeah. It's just, like going into a corner shop and stealing a bag of crisps or... That's how I see it. That's how I see it. Like, there's a guy in the shop who's obviously there trying to make a living. In, in this situation, it would be you or another photographer, and someone just comes in and takes it. You're, you're putting it on there um, for people to view the photo. They're looking at it going, that's a good photo of me, that. Oh, I'm going to have that. and just taking it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm very opinionated about it, to be fair. Uh, what was it Jack said last week in his? Is it something like um, when you're paying all this money to race, um, and then you got you're expected to buy photos on top? Was yeah. is that the one? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'll like I say I'll never force people into buying photos at all. And, and um, that's that's the thing, nobody's nobody's got an arm behind your back saying you've got to have this fucking photograph. Yeah. There is a choice to be made. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, like I say, when I'm at the track day, I'll photograph everyone as many times as I can mm. to give you all the option and to try and. 
well, increase my sales possibility and sales potential. Um, but no, at the end of the day, I'm not going to force you to buy the photos from the track day that I'm at. It's, it's greatly appreciated if you do, because obviously it supports me, it supports the business, it supports all the photographers around to make it worth us going to the event. So you've got someone to photograph and make memories of your day. But I, I I think the people that do take your copyrighted images to use them, they just think there's a photographer stood there with his thumb up his ass clicking away. Whereas I, I hope that after the, listening to this podcast, they understand everything that you go through physically, emotionally, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, every photographer is different, but that's just what I do. I'm, so, I'm wait, going the ex- I go the extra mile to try and over-deliver because I'd rather over-deliver than under-promise. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, Jamie. Uh, should we get the uh, the non-existent mood music going and uh, and fire some questions, Jules? Where? Yeah, like maybe job interview now. Hit me with them. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, okay. What's the most difficult or annoying circuit in the UK for you to photograph at? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'd say Silverstone because everything you're so far away from the track at Silverstone. And there's a lot of tarmac between where we can stand and the actual track. So if it's the slightest bit of sun, your photos are going to be covered in heat haze, no matter what you do. Um, so take away the inside of Woodcote. Um, it's quite a tough track to shoot at, especially the National. But okay. the, there are each circuit does have its pros and cons, but for me, Silverstone is probably Silverstone one is of the tougher. More, well, okay. more definitely more annoying. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you had not uh, become a photographer, what would you have done alternatively? Um, a very good question. Um, one I don't actually have an answer to. Um, I mean, growing up. I quite like doing Spanish, and I know when I was in school, there was a, there was a time when I was thinking maybe going down the, the route of like a Spanish teacher might be the way for me. Um, but uh, really, the only thing I've been focused on for the past 10, 12, 15 years has been photography. So it's been very mm. all or nothing. So this is the plan A and plan B, and all the way down to plan Z is photography. Okay. If, um, if you was if you was new to photography and you wanted to um, uh, get into the scene of um, motorsport photography, for example, what would your advice be to that person in terms of what equipment would you look at and what would you look to focus on most? Um, honestly, my biggest advice would be to sign up for Speed of Light Academy. Um, the it's like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's an entire program dedicated and designed to help upcoming motorsport photographers. So that would be the best investment you could make. Um, and then in terms of camera gear, you, you it's all about optics. It's all about the glass that you have. The better the glass, the, the sharper the images are going to be. Right. You could have a beginner's camera with a professional lens or and you can have a professional camera with a beginner's lens, and I guarantee you the one with the professional lens will look the professional camera. It's so my my iPhone shit then is that what you're saying? 
Well, I'm not saying that. No, I am saying that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's sort of, if you're willing to put the time, the effort into researching and really understanding and learning about the cameras themselves, learning the market, learning the field that you're going into and go that extra mile, you will start making progress faster than a lot of other people. It goes with anything. If you're willing to put the hours in and the hard work in and you're willing to graft, you'll make it. If you're not, mm. you won't. It's very cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe, what's your favourite type of porn? Oh, God. Uh, right, if any of my family are listening, I'd skip this bit. Um, dad's, dad's listening. Yeah, Dad's definitely <laughs> going to be listening and ready. <laughs> Dad already knows. Don't uh, you worry. It's in the jeans. <laughs> and and, and mum's found the socks. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'd probably say a bit of lesbian bondage, you know? Fight oh. Oh, I would not. I'm. I I really like your honesty there. (laughs) By surprise, I thought we was going to get another. I don't watch porn. If if you get no answer, if you ask the questions, I've always said I'm an open book. I'll answer pretty much any question you throw at me. So, and if any of my family are listening now, I did warn you. (laughs) (laughs) They know. They know. Dad's yeah. just sat there nodding, going, yeah, go on, lad. Proud of you, son, proud of you. Mum's sat there giving it. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, can, I can just see my mum's eyes rolling now. <laughs> Hi, mum. <laughs> okay. Um, and um, this one's a popular question. Um, who do you think would win a fight between Batman and Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Why? He's just better superhero. He's actually got the the strength. The he can. He's got all the skills you need to beat Batman in a fight. Um, Batman's just a guy with a villain hero who's turned to a hero, whereas Spider Man's actually a superhero. Yeah, he's more of an Avenger. He's got he's got the ability, the, the strength, the skills. Mainly to just wear him up. All he's got to do is wear him up, and then he can knock him out. So it's easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair play. That Thank is much, the Joel. best answer to that question ever. It's every very simple, I, every, isn't it? It's simple. It's simple. Every time you've, an, you've asked it, I've been driving down the road and I'm thinking to myself, why don't someone just say you just Spider-Man because you can just wear him up and just launch a car at him? Yeah. He's human. Fair Thank dues. Joel. Joel, thanks very much for joining us this week, mate. It's been, you know what? It's, it's been a it, pleasure. It, it's actually been a real fucking eye-opener. Uh, I've known you for a couple of years now and I didn't know half of what you went through to do with uh, what you do, uh, which makes your photos all the better, really. Appreciate um, it. So it's yeah, been an absolute blast to be on here. Real honour. Ah, cheers, for, cheers for joining us. Thank you, Joe. Um, before we go, uh, one final mention: um, road racing returns to uh, UK shores this weekend uh, with the uh, the Spring Cup at Scarborough this weekend. Um, for those of you that are going up to to watch it, just a couple of announcements for you. Um, the first one, quite important. Uh, so Jackson's Lane, uh, there's going to be, uh, it's only going to be open between 8am and 8pm on Saturday and Sunday. All of the times, access to the top public fields will be from the Mount side uh, via F- Filey Road. So yeah, make sure you don't get caught out there, especially those of you that are taking big RVs and all that kind of shit. Um, 
A uh, couple of bands that they've got going on up there, Kindred and uh, Billy Mack. So, yeah, it'll be a fucking awesome weekend. I'm pretty pissed off that I'm not going. Um, but the baguette is there. Um, so, <laughs> um, if if you are going, uh, a little bit of a, an impromptu competition for you. Uh, so, if you can get a picture of yourself with Tom Whedon, posing with, with a baguette. Right, no, no. So they've got to have in their hand a foot long baguette. So <laughs> what you do with that baguette is completely your choice. But we need to in the same picture a picture of you, a foot long baguette, and Tom Whedon. Um, send us your pictures in. Put them on our social media. Um, Tom will pick out his favourite, and uh, he will give you a uh, Club Seventy Seven cap, and uh, we'll send you a couple of Apex stickers to put either put on your bike or put on the back of a public toilet cubicle door or something like that. I don't know. Um, so, boys, last last thoughts? Uh, I've really enjoyed tonight. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, it's been an absolute blast. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Uh, Aaron's dog managed to go all the way through an episode without falling <laughs> off the bed. <laughs> That's the biggest achievement, in it? Didn't really gas him, but we got he's there. He's done, he's done all right. He's done. <laughs> so, uh, thank you very much uh, for you guys listening to continue to support the podcast, uh, please do feel free to leave a review either on Spotify, Google Play, or any of the other hosting apps that uh, you can find the podcast on. And then final reminder, just like, subscribe our social media pages, uh, give the podcast a follow, and yeah, then that way you won't miss out on any future episodes. So, gents, cheers. It's been a freaking mega podcast, and uh, I'm now going to go and bury myself in an editing suite. Wicked stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, boys. Thanks.